I love that. TV station? You just spent TV all your station. money on the TV, TV station. TV, four, five, six, seven. Mike, what channel are you on? Uh, all channels. I'm on all of the channels. <laughs> I'm on all of the channels. I'm the screen slaver. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, our city thrives or crumbles with the roll of the dice in Machi Koro. Then we rush to lay the best routes across the map in Ticket to Ride Europe. And finally, picky customers demand tasty treats in Just Desserts. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. I'm Evan Bernstein, and I don't roll dice. I cast them with care and purpose. I'm Ed Povlitis. A man who had never gone to school may steal from a freight car, but if he has a university education, he may steal the whole railroad. I'm Joe Unfrey. Nine ball is rotation pool. The balls are pocketed in numbered order. The only ball that means anything is the nine, which is to say luck plays a part in nine ball, but for some players, luck itself is an art. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, headmaster of the Stormtrooper Marksmanship Academy. <laughs> so you're the one responsible. Doing your part to bring order to the galaxy. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Mike, do you know what Patreon is? It's a fruit with lots of tasty little seeds inside. So close. Actually, it's a way for our listeners to support the show for just $3 a month. And when you become a supporter, you get exclusive bonus content like interviews, shoutouts, and Discord chat dates with our panelists. Say magnifique. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. Our first game up this week is Machi Koro, designed by Masao Suganuma, published by IDW Games and Pandasaurus Games in 2012. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 10 and up. Runtime, 30 minutes. Everyone but me was at the table for this game. Evan, what did you think? The name of the game is to roll and build. No, wait, the name of the game is Machi Koro, which according to Google translates to City Around. Ed, how about you? They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you aim to do it in less than 30 minutes. <laughs> Mike, how about you? It takes good planning and a lot of luck to build a thrilling city. Joe? I walked in to Machikaro when it was a city of brick and I left it a city of marble. <laughs> well, I am really looking forward to hearing if the simple die rolling mechanic of this game does enough to really make you feel like you are the mayor, hustling to draw commerce to your city. Joe, you brought this game to the table. Tell us a little bit about how it's played. Armed only with your trusty die in a dream, you must grow Machikoro into the largest city in the region. You will need to collect income from developments, build public works, steal from your neighbors, and always remember and never forget that everyone else wants to do this to you. Each player wants to complete all of the required landmarks faster than their rivals. Each player rolls one or two dice each turn. If the sum of the dice rolled matches the number of a building that a player owns, they get the effect of that building. In some cases, players benefit from the die rolls of their rivals. Along the way, people erect new buildings and a race to complete all their landmarks. So, are you guys all playing the mayor at once? No, no, I think we're all mayors of our own cities. Right. Yeah, Google says that Machi is, uh, Machi means town, and Koro is a... Japanese automatopoeia for a small clattering sound like the roll of a die. Yeah, welcome to Clickety Clack City. That's kind of fun, and that, that makes sense for the style of gameplay it is. 
and the way that each of the players' buildings play off of one another, it does seem to imply that all these things are happening at once. And yet all of the cities affect one another, right? Well, they're in the same region, so yes. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, and you can steal resources from another player. So in, <laughs> in that sense, they are individual places. You're competing, right? You're actually trying to be the best. It's a race. to beca- It's a race to become the best. Yeah. I did notice that certain types of businesses were sort of community uh, gains, meaning if someone had a cafe, everybody got paid for it, no matter whether it was their role or not. Right. Certain cards trigger off of a role that you made just for yourself. Other ones trigger off of anybody's role. And why is that? I think part of it had to do with the balance of the strength of the cards, depending on how common the number was. So in other words, a card that's a s- number seven probably costs you more, or you get a little bit less off of it, or it only triggers off of you just because it's a seven and it's more common on two dice than, it, than let's say, a, a nine. It's interesting that it's based on the die commonality, which makes perfect sense. But I guess I was asking more along the lines of theme. Did they choose certain businesses because they would naturally be more communal? Like, did they choose the cafe because, hey, people would go to cafes in all towns? I mean, I think it's more mechanic related because, for example, if um, the effect of a card was to take something from one of the other players, you can't have everybody doing that all at once. It's just kind of confusing. By the time you get to factories, and it, it, it is sort of stretching it. I mean, this factory is going to mostly benefit the area where the people who are employed at the factory live. I, I think the game design is trying to involve both of those phenomena. Yeah, I think there was some points where the theme came into it to make it seem like, oh, this is more communal or this is more personal. I think that did come into play, but I don't think they were super strict about that. But they did put some thought into it. Yeah, some thought. Not a, fo- not a focus. Not a key to winning the game. I love the art. Uh, the art reminded me a lot of uh, very popular apps that run uh, city building games, such as Toka City. Very clean lines, very distinct buildings. So no two buildings looked similar. So that as you begin to play, you'll never be confused as to what you're looking at. Like you're, you're never going to say, gee, is that gray building the TV station or the stadium? They just don't look too similar. Mm-hmm. And they also helped out with the color borders of the cards, too, because that Mm -hmm. indicates whether it's shared or if it's personal, etc. Right. The card color is very distinctive. And I also like the iconography and the look of the cards. It's it's very evocative of the theme. Yeah, and it's clean and not too cluttered. I thought they looked great. You have to be able to recognize it strictly by the picture. And this game, Machikoro, does that. Right, which is really important in a game like this because part of your strategy is paying attention to what your opponents are doing. And mm-hmm, if there's all mm-hmm. these cards that look too similar and you're looking at them and, you know, you get the analysis paralysis, it makes the game a lot less fun. And there's a limited amount of cards of each type or each number. Mm-hmm. So if you go and grab up all the fives, per se, that leaves fewer fives for your opponents to grab. So you really got to pay attention to how many cards are left for you to acquire. Yep. I like the strategy in, in, in choosing where to change your engine a little bit because you have the choice of rolling one or two dice and when you're rolling two dice your your odds change a little bit they're actually a little bit more predictable there's actually a card that you need to buy to be able to roll two dice so you need to know when to pull the trigger to buy that card something i love about this game is you never go permanently broke uh you're only responsible to actually cough up what you have available yeah you don't go into debt 
anything over that's essentially, you know, is written off. So if you owe another player money based on the roll of the die, you only pay what you have and then the player is not owed the rest. Correct. They don't even get it from the bank or anything. Yep. Which kind of is an incentive to grab cards. Uh, spend yeah. your money to, for cards instead of paying other players. Yeah. Right. Saving up for a big card can be dangerous if a bunch of people bought a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff that can steal from you. Like, I think the, what was it? The coffee shop or cafe or whatever it's called that steals? The cafe. With the cafe, you don't want to roll that number because when you roll that number, other people are taking money from you. Right. Oh, and yeah. that happened to me early, kind of drained my resources. I was not a happy camper, shall we say, or a happy mayor. I yeah, say. the early hit is really tough in that game. You know, even if you do get caught, you know, with, with a big loss, it's something you can come back from because your losses are so limited. Right. <laughs> and this, the cafe does look like a good um, mess with your neighbor kind of card because it's so cheap to put out. <laughs> That's one of the things I liked about this game, though, is it didn't just have a a building up engine for yourself. It had a bunch of different potential strategy angles you can take. Mm -hmm. And one of them was grief, which I know some people love as a strategy. Oh, this is bitter. This is the most bitter root I've ever had to swallow. (laughs) That's pretty harsh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Play the role of the gremlin. Man, another Starbucks right across the street. Come on. (laughs) So the ultimate goal here is to get these very large projects completed. Yeah, the goal of the game is to get all four of the landmarks built. The train station, the shopping mall, the amusement park, and the radio tower. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I see that. And, and the first one to build all four of those wins. Mm-hmm. Yep. They give you special abilities, but they don't give you any money. So it's kind of a, a toss-up of when to build them. Right. Like, for example, the train station, the one when you first built, it only costs four, but it allows you to roll one or two dice. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do is that generally people get that one out early? Not too early because you don't have a lot of cards that you can afford that roll the higher numbers yet. Right. 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 There's no great advantage to having that card early in your hand. You've got to do a lot of building before then. Yeah, I bought it early and it kind of set me back a little bit. Although I did win. So, Mikey, you won. All right. Yes, I am now the mayor of the greatest of all Machikoros. The rest of us are now your bureaucratic subjects. Yes. (laughs) Now there's all kinds of anime movies where you can be the bad guy. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wanted to be an anime bad guy. (laughs) So how did you guys like the pace of the game? The game played pretty quick. I think it's good. Yeah. Pacing was good. Okay, good. Because that, that would be something I'd worry about. We didn't get it done in 30 minutes. We rarely ever get the time <laughs> yeah. allotment yeah. put on the box to to that number. But uh, but the pace did go. It was brisk enough. Good, good. So everybody felt busy. Yeah, and there wasn't like that sag in the middle that you get in some games like this, too. It kind of felt like you were always progressing, and then it ended at an appropriate time. Pretty much just as you're getting your engine built. Yeah, like any good Euro-type game, just as your engine gets really cranking, the game ends. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Machi Koro. Mike, how about you? I played this game a few times, and this construct has held up to the test of time, so I say dig it up. Evan, how about you? I found this game to be rather elegant, simple in execution, and enough strategy for lots of replayability. So, Siruhoni Nasing, which is Japanese for dig it up. Oh. <laughs> Ed, how about you? It's easy to learn with enough decision to want to try something different next time, maybe even with the expansion for more options. Dig it up. Joe? 
no matter how bad you do on any given turn, next turn you're coming back like Godzilla roaring out of the sea until someone wins the game. <laughs> and that someone might as well be you. Dig it up and never back down until you get your city built or die trying. Whoa. I didn't realize it was that serious. <laughs> Okay, well, I will withhold judgment since I didn't play, but it does definitely sound intriguing. Uh, the pacing and the art seem very attractive. Um, and it does look like the theme is significant to the game, which I like. And Joe, where can you find it? Online product descriptions assure me in no uncertain terms that this Japanese card game is sweeping the world. Found a price range from uh, around $15 to around $30. If you have thoughts about Machi Koro, we would love to hear from you. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Which Game First. Our next game up this week is Ticket to Ride Europe, designed by Alan R. Moon, published by Days of Wonder 2005. Number of players 2 to 5, ages 8 and up, runtime 30 to 60 minutes. We were all at the table for this game. Joe, what did you think? The board game Geek page for this game characterizes it as a gateway game, and is it ever. It's not only the gateway to an impressive array of games in the series it spawned way back in 2004, not only a gateway to railroad games, it's a gateway for gaming itself. Mm, Evan, how about you? All you need to do is establish your train routes across Europe. Simple, right? It's not like the other players are going to thwart your progress. Mike, how about you? Toot toot, all aboard the Thumb in the Eye Express. <laughs> <laughs> Ed, how about you? From the craggy hillsides of Edinburgh to the sunlit docks of Constantinople, from the dusty alley to Pompona to the windswept station in Berlin, where will your next adventure take you? Pack your luggage, hail the porter, and climb aboard. I can see why Ticket to Ride games are so popular. Talk about theme informing play. Wow. Ed, you brought this game to the table. Tell us a little bit about how it's played. In Ticket to Ride, players collect cards of various types of trains. They use these to claim routes in Europe. On your turn, your options are simple. Draw more cards, claim a route, or get more destination tickets. You get points for claiming routes. The longer the route, the more points you earn. You also get points from destination tickets, gold cards that connect distant cities. But be careful. Uncompleted tickets lose you points. Lastly, the player built the longest continuous route gets extra bonus. The player with the most points at the end of the game wins. This is one of those games where if you care more about causing someone grief than winning, you'll have a great time. <laughs> Plenty of opportunities for that. I didn't notice that too much for me personally. I was so immersed in trying to build my own darn track. And for some reason, all of the cities that I drew, nobody else was going anywhere near them. So I was just stuck with my own personal frustration of uh, where to put my track. In other words, you couldn't benefit off of other people laying their routes and piggybacking off of them. Which is actually not something I would normally do. Yeah, you actually don't want to piggyback off people because you lose points that way. Yeah, you wouldn't get as many points for piggybacking, although sometimes it's, it's critical because there's nowhere to lay your track, so you have to borrow track from somebody else. It depends on the route, yeah. Some of these routes are insane. Because you might minus 20 points in some cases if you don't complete that long route across the continent. Ugh, it's awful. Yeah, you have to avoid that. I actually ended up dishing my uh, big point ticket. I had three other 
destinations that were close to each other. So I just built in my own little area and no one really bothered me. So kind of like happy that everybody else was kind of keeping away. Some of us didn't have that option, although you are dealt several tickets and you can discard some. Some of us didn't have that choice, Ed. Some of us were stuck with long routes. I got lucky because my starting routes were kind of already connected through each other. Like one of my routes was part of another bigger route. That's a pretty nice little setup then. Yeah, I was really lucky that way. Although a couple of the places I needed to get to, a lot of people were clustered in that same area. So I had to get ahead of the game and put some track forward just so I wouldn't get blocked out of that spot. My initial car draw was very, very fortunate. I got, I got Dieppe to Madrid and Edinburgh to Frankfurt. You know, I mean, not not overly long or complex routes. I think it really speaks to the balance of this game that no matter which routes you're dealt, there is some level of comboing up you can do so that you can sort of blend tracks or there are short enough tracks that you can manage it. So I found that no matter, you know, I feel like no matter which cards you draw, unless you're really unlucky, you're going to get some advantages. And they're kind of balanced out by the point value of them because you can get a bunch of easy short routes, but they're also not worth as many points. Right. To me, it felt really good. Uh, I didn't feel like anybody was way, way behind. And I, I think there's a, a lot of good options. Someone else had built in that city, but yeah, I can click there too. It's just going to take me an extra way around to get there. Or if the game adds a new feature called a station where you can just put a station there and just use the route. But don't mm-hmm. put your station out too early, right, Celeste? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I was like, oh, I'm going through Paris. There, there's going to be dozens of people going through Paris. <laughs> Everybody's going to build track through Paris. Come on, it's Paris. Um, if you build it, they will come, right? Yeah, and, and crickets came. Dust bunnies came. <laughs> that tumbleweed went rolling through. And I had to lay people off. There was just nobody using the station. There's an upside to building the stations that you can use that route, but also the downside is each one of them is worth four points at the end of the game if you hadn't placed them. So you might want to mm-hmm. use them really sparingly just to save those extra up to 16 points, I think it is. Oh, yeah, that's substantial. I didn't know it was that high. Yeah, like every other aspect of this game, it's a balance. Do lay it out too early and you end up spending more than you needed. Lay it out too late, you lose the opportunity to do it because somebody else has placed something. Towards the end of the game... You're fighting for any track you can get, basically. Yeah. You're scrambling <laughs> yeah. like mad, like, oh, there's nowhere to go. I like a quote uh, from the designer. The tension comes from being forced to balance greed, adding more cards to your hand in fear, losing a critical route to a competitor. I always fall for the greed angle. I'm always going for that big, big <laughs> yeah. epic thing. And my greed definitely stabs me in the eye sometimes. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm always greedy, but greed definitely burned me in this game. Yeah, me too. I finished my roots a little bit earlier than others, and I was like, eh, what the heck? I'll draw another card. How bad can it be? Yeah. Right? And I'll just, that'll get me more money. What if it's, what if the route that I draw is like a route I already have, you know? Yeah, right. And yeah. you're like, yeah. But no, I drew these routes that were so far off my lines that there was no way I could complete them in time. And all it did was, it was basically drawing a deduction. I just drew <laughs> points that were going to get dedu- deducted from my total. Yeah, I did the same thing, except for I did it twice because the first time I did it, it worked out. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fine. I'll just do it again. And I got burned hard the second time. <laughs> These cards suck. You can turn in your whole hand. You no. can? No. <laughs> <laughs> for nothing. For Wait, nothing. That's, that's, I was ready. 
<laughs> I'm always for extreme action. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the, the some of the, the new mechanics they added in this edition of the game. The tunnels, which add a little bit of uncertainty to building some routes. Ooh, the tunnels. So <laughs> oh. scary. So scary to build a tunnel. Required uh, only five train if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah the, the unfortunate <laughs> part about the tunnels is they add a random factor, um, which could cause you to need to add more tracks. And of course... Uh, got burned by that at least once. Yeah, I was genuinely afraid to build tunnel. Yep, I avoided every tunnel. No, thank you. I did one that had six tunnel spaces in a row. And uh, and the only reason I, I did that is because oh. I'm always looking for the most epic route, you know? And that's a lot of points right there. It is a lot of points. And I was so mad because I looked up and there was a bigger one on the board I didn't notice before. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I got the biggest one. And Ed's like, oh, this one over here after I did it. And I'm like, oh, man. There's one that's eight long. Ha-ha. <laughs> Yeah, big, big bonus points there, but Im nearly yeah. impossible to get. Yep, didn't even see it. Um, an another new mechanic in the game are ferry, which are routes that connect over water, but they require to have locomotive cards, which are the wild cards in the game. It's very rare to come up with one of those locomotive cards, and you do need them in certain special areas. So that was tricky. I wouldn't say the wild cards are super rare, but um, they do restrict how many cards you can draw each turn. Like if you take a wild card, that's the only card you can take that turn instead of taking two cards. Yes, right. So it's harder to make them work because you get less resources with them. Although I was really lucky because I draw, drew most, most of my locomotives off the top of the deck. <laughs> wow, look, everybody. Ed was lucky and got the card he needed. <laughs> <laughs> I love the look of this board. It's a map, so it's simple. And it's a real world map, so that helps. It, it adds to the familiarity of everything. And then what's on it is just track. Yes, it's in different colors. Yes, there's a couple of different symbols. But it is in no way overwhelming when you think it's all just train track. So it left you to really start strategizing early because it was no extra stuff to figure out first. Mm -hmm. For me, the board actually seemed a little bit cluttered just because um, I'm terrible with geography too. <laughs> so it had me staring around <laughs> well, the board like, where's yeah. France? Where's Germany? I'm not that bad. But <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Mike, that it is cluttered in one way. And that is in the fact that train tracks are cluttered. And the busier an area is, the more clutter there is among the tracks. And I like the art, the, the, the board and mechanic, but I also really love the cover art. I mean, it's really inviting. It kind of suggests a family game, and it's really nice to look at. <laughs> I like the guy with the top hat and the monocle. Of course. He's, he's ready to ride, and he's <laughs> definitely not going to have any trouble getting the seat he wants. So, <laughs> yeah, the cover is great. All the art everywhere is great. The train cars on the cards look neat, and they're of the period, which is nice. They uh, help evoke the era, which is really nice. And it's just enough art to be interesting without being distracting. Ticket to Ride is actually part of a series of games. The first one, the Ticket to Ride was covered to U.S., won Field of Gyrus and many other awards in 2004. Which one was the first? Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride was in the U.S. or what? Right. It's a map of the U.S. Oh, okay. And now and I have since made many other versions of the game. Like Ticket to Ride Europe, which we played. Ticket to Ride Markland, which is Germany. The Nordic Countries. Uh, the Anniversary Edition. Rails and Sails. I want to play that Viking Edition. It, wouldn't that be Ticket to Row, Mikey? <laughs> Ticket to Row. <laughs> okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Ticket to Ride Europe. Joe, how about you? 
This game is one to dig up. It has an awful lot of replay value, especially when you consider how simple the game mechanics are. Evan, how about you? I choo-choo choose this game. Like coal being shoveled into the burners, you dig it up. And Mike, how about you? It can be frustrating at times, but that's part of the challenge, right? It's well-designed and welcoming, so I say dig it up. Ed, how about you? Oh, it's a game I like to pull out in a mixed group of new and experienced gamers. Dig it up. And I say as well, dig it up. It is easy to learn, very intuitive. Yes, it can be frustrating, but for all the right reasons. Uh, It's good looking and has a great theme. Ed, where can you find it? There are many editions and versions available and retail for about $50. There are computer and app versions of the game as well. If you have thoughts about Ticket to Ride, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We're at Which Came First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Just Desserts, designed by Andrew Looney, published by Looney Labs in 2015. Number of players 2 to 5, ages 8 and up, runtime 25 minutes. Everyone but me was at the table for this game. Evan, what did you think? Like it says on the box, no soup, no salad, no entree. (laughs) Ed, how about you? It's the restaurant where you hope the wait staff can read your mind and you get what they serve you. And Joe, how about you? I've seen games like this before where you have multiple interlocking patterns. You need to get some, but probably can't get them all. The reason this worked for me was how well it reflected just how individual and selective our choices are when it comes to dessert. And Mike, how about you? Was this game sickening or did it satisfy our sweet tooth? Let's find out. (laughs) Though I am looking forward to hearing about how the game is played, I am glad I ducked it because food games always make me hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. But before we get into it, Mike, you brought this game to the table. Tell us a little bit about how it's played. In Just Desserts, each player starts with a handful of three dessert cards while three guest cards are placed in the center of the table. Each dessert shows one to three tastes that it satisfies, such as chocolate, fruit, or pastry, while the guest cards show what they crave as well as what they refuse to eat. On a turn, you draw a dessert card, add a guest card to the table from the deck, then take one of three actions. Draw a dessert card, serve and claim one or two guests, or dump as many dessert cards as you want, then draw that many cards from the deck. If at the end of your turn you've served three guests of the same suit or five guests of different suits, then you win. Huh. Sounds simple enough. Pretty simple. The game was pretty easy to understand. Just try to match your hand to the desserts on the table. Yep. Yeah, that had, that's one of the things going for it. Well, um, <laughs> so each one of the guests has a very specific thing that they want. So, like, for instance, you'll get a card that says Oreos, and it'll be, like, cream and cookie will be the two types of card that it is. And right. so the guest might want Oreos because they satisfy the both of the things they want in one single card. And if you do that, you get to draw an extra card, so it's a big advantage. Right. For example, the, the guy from Boston might want the Boston cream pie. right exactly it sounds a little like one of the mechanics in grand austria hotel where you're trying to serve the guests specifics of what they want how'd that work out in this in this game did you find it was well balanced or were certain people being really stuck with a lot for a long time with nothing to do well you can reset your hand so you don't really get stuck for too long oh that's good yeah but i i felt balance wise it was a a little Crazy that, of course, again, Ed drew the exact cards he needed yeah, twice. <laughs> to satisfy the guy. Oh, look, it's the guy from Boston. And I have the Boston cream pie. How perfect. I think he dealt that hand. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the deck is like a couple hundred cards, right? And, of course, Ed pulled out two of the three cards he needed exactly for the guests that were showing. Yep. That's pretty impressive. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is that a frequent thing that happens? Like you draw exactly what you need? Is uh, just for Ed. It's not frequent for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Luck of the Ed. No, it doesn't seem that frequent, but you make up the difference usually by having a card that has like, uh, you know, chocolate and fruit, and then another card that has one of the other things you need to satisfy a guest. Yeah, but some of the guests are kind of tricky because they have something that they don't want. For example, somebody might say, no nuts. Right, I have right. a nut allergy or something like that. And so they you can, you can satisfy everything else on there, but if you have a card that combines with fruit and nuts... You can't play that card to help satisfy the fruit portion of the card. I think this game is more for younger kids, obviously, since it says <laughs> 8 plus on the box. So I wasn't expecting a whole lot out of it. But I thought for that age group, it actually could be a pretty good way to kind of like learn how to play games in general or even just learn how to match color types or to just match things together. We played the basic version of the rules. There are advanced versions of the rules. The pictures look like the kinds of pictures you might see in an old-fashioned children's storybook. Yeah, I was unimpressed. <laughs> the art is very basic. I mean, a cherry pie looks like a cherry pie. There's nothing spectacular about it. It almost has a 50s look about it in the color scheme. Like an automat? Yeah, an automat or an old-fashioned like Joy of Cooking cookbook. Which is pretty interesting since it was in 2015. That's the food. The food looks that way. The guests don't look that old-fashioned. The guests look, I think, relatively modern. There's one like nature girl who has uh, an egg basket on her head, right? So she's obviously sharing. So, I mean, they lean into the stereotypes a little, but yeah. yeah. What's that one favorite? Boston guy. My favorite is Boston cream pie. <laughs> Boston cream pie. Of course it is. Boston cream pie. Boston. Boston. All right. Well, the one that loves s'mores. Oh, nice. Ask my daughter. Little boy. Overall, you know, I, I, I think uh, the guests are easy to reference what you think they're going to need and so forth. Yeah, it looks it looks silly, but that's by design. My problem with it was uh, they had a nice layout, but the their favorite was in small type underneath the icon. So uh. try to figure out what their favorite was. Sometimes you had to really look close to the, the card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could have yeah. been laid out better for that reason, sure. Yeah, they had plenty of real estate on those cards to use, too. It's not like they were pressed for space. They could have mm -hmm. made that pretty big if they wanted to. We uh, we completed the game in the allotted time as published on the box, Ooh. which is a, <laughs> a rarity for us. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's an expansion to this game if you uh, needed an expansion. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Better with Bacon. Because what isn't better with bacon? I don't know. I mean, it looks like, as you said, Mike, it looks like a very simple game. I think the fact that we played it in the, you guys played it in the allotted amount of time speaks well to it um, being good for younger kids. One recommendation I read was that they'll play it with the three to four players as opposed to five because the downtime gets a little longer at five players. There's not really any interaction between players except for taking one of the customers off the table that they might have wanted. Other than that, there really isn't much interaction. I wonder how many people are like, no, can't play a game about food because it's going to make me hungry. Yeah, it gave me a sweet tooth for sure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hmm, where's the cheesecake? Yeah, I'm very susceptible to suggestions like that. <laughs> so that game definitely got me. Okay, time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury just desserts. Joe, how about you? This didn't quite float my boat. It seems more like a game for kids or a family game, though. So I'll, I'll dig it up for that purpose. Evan, how about you? I'm going to bury it. I wish we had tried the advanced version of the rules. Perhaps the additional strategies required would have kept my interest. 
Ed, how about you? The base concept of the game is fun and interesting enough, and I think there are those who will eat this game up. But the recipe didn't quite meet my taste, so I bury it. Mike? I think for younger kids, it's definitely something you should check out um, for its simplicity. But this game melts in my mouth and in my hands, so I say bury it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll withhold ultimate judgment, but I think for the exact reasons Joe might dig it up... I might bury it because I don't know if I want to really start throwing a bunch of pictures of sweets in front of my kids and getting them <laughs> excited for sweets later, you know? <laughs> yeah, with your bunch, definitely a bad idea. That's true. <laughs> Can't play Candyland either. Not with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you have thoughts about Just Dessert, we'd love to hear from you. Please let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and exclusive content right now, you could go to our website and click on Become a Supporter. For just $3 a month, you get all kinds of goodies. If you get a chance, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said Apple. Now I'm, now I'm hungry. <laughs> it really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server, Which Game First, and our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Woohoo! Follow us on your favorite social media. As always, we are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers! Happy gaming! Later! It was real, it was fun, but it, uh, who am I kidding? It was real fun. <laughs> <laughs>